0: topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu.
1: Welcome to the Naturally Nourished podcast. You are joining us for episode 235, The Energy Formula with nutritional biochemist guest Sean Wells. In today's episode, we will be talking about biohacking, keto, paleo supplements, nootropics, circadian rhythm, the importance of finding your tribe and creating a routine and so much more.
2: Yes. In fact, as all dietitians, this is our second in a row dietitian guest, Becky, we're on a roll. (laughs) It's not an exclusive thing, but it's been fun. Uh, we were super excited to nerd out with Sean on supplements and a lot of his work is in patenting ingredients. And he does share, you know, the importance of looking at standardized formulas and also the Hundreds of thousands of dollars that can be wasted on poor nutritional supplements. So, we are super, of course, happy to share that everything within the naturally nourished supplement line is third party assessed for potency, purity, and standardization. And we also third party test for toxicity, which includes mold and contaminants. So, as we talk in this episode about some of the shortcomings, like a lot of formulators or companies are going to use proprietary blends. When you look at the supplements within the naturally nourished line, for instance, like our adaptogen boost, instead of just noting the types of adaptogens in our formula, you will see by each of the three featured ingredients the cordyceps mycelium, the Asian ginseng or Panax ginseng, and the rhodiola that we note the root or rhizome extract. So what part of the plant it's coming from, we also note the standardization. So for instance, in our ginseng, it's going to note Panax ginseng root extract standardized to 8%, 32 milligrams of ginocides. And so you're going to actually see the standardization percent breakdown and the bioactive compounds that you are getting. So you know that when you're investing in your health and wellness and trying to elevate your health to the next level, that the naturally nourished supplement line is here to support you with quality standardized formulas that are clinically effective, quality, sound, and also will yield outcomes. Yes. Super happy to be
1: on the same page with Sean because he is the ultimate like biochemist nerd formulator guy. It's awesome. Um, Before we dive into today's episode, we want to update you guys that starting in just a couple of short weeks. Um, we will be diving into our next round of our keto class. So it starts on May 5th and spots are already filling up for this round of our live program. So this is our live bi-weekly over 12 weeks program where Allie and I support you in all things keto from mastering your macros to adding on layers of functional medicine intervention, supporting your gut microbiome, um, hormones, you name it. It's in our program. And if you haven't done it yet and you listen to the podcast, what are you doing? Really? Truly.
2: (laughs) So this may season will go May, June, and July, and then we'll take another short hiatus. And our last round is going to be in September. So if you wanna get rock and rolling, this is the time to jump in, to have a strong successful summer and ensure that you are able to take the reins of control of optimizing your health metabolically and really from the root cause of any potential undesirable symptom, or chronic health concern. So go on over to AllieMillerRD.com. You can grab a spot under our books and program section or at AllieMillerRD.com slash ketosis hyphen class. Before
1: we reach Sean's bio, let's just take a quick word to talk about our sponsor for
2: this episode, Wild Foods. So, Wild Foods is a food company that puts quality, sustainability, and health first in all of their products. They provide us our favorite staples of our pantry, including coffee, turmeric, medicinal mushrooms, matcha, and so much more. And they've partnered with us to give you guys an exclusive discount when you use Allie Miller RD at checkout. That's Ally Miller RD. You will get 12% off of your order. So I'm a big fan of their wild matcha. And I use this as my routine to trade out for coffee at least twice a week. I find that matcha provides such fantastic antioxidant capacity. It has the nutritional density of upwards of 10 glasses of regular brewed green tea and the wild foods matcha is that beautiful, rich ceremonial grade. So it's much more bright and grassy. It doesn't have that heaviness or bitterness that you'll get from many of the matchas on the market. And it's pure. A lot of the matchas also will have additives, stabilizers, non-caloric sweeteners. I love the wild matcha where I'll whisk in with a little bit of warm water and then add in some full fat coconut milk and make a really beautiful, nourishing latte. And the L-theanine in there really aids and balances out alpha brainwave activity, which can help with concentration focus without that agitation and anxiety. And if I want something a little bit more robust and kind of bitter in the flavor profile, I am a huge fan of going completely caffeine free. Well, Maybe not completely because cacao does have a little surge of of energy, but their Cocotropic Wild Superfood Elixir is another favorite morning ritual or sometimes a midday pick-me-up. This is using wild cacao or chocolate with reishi and chaga mushroom extract, raw maca powder, and wild turmeric. So it's getting a blend of anti-inflammatory and adaptogenic compounds to support mood improvement, generalized relaxation, cognitive enhancement, and really aids in concentration focus with a big boost of antioxidants and anti-inflammatory support from the cacao and the turmeric. It sips like a hot cocoa and can also be blended with coffee if you wanted to make like a fun mocha. And it's really something that I've been enjoying. So I hope you all will take a moment and check that out. Also, when you're over at wildfoods.co, not.com, that's their website, you can check out their mushroom blends. They have them numbered one to 10, as well as their tea blends. As we're swinging into summer, I'm a big fan of their G, which is a green rooibos tea with ginger, lemongrass, and lime and they even have pantry staples like wild harvested vanilla bean um cacao butter wafers if you're doing fat uh dairy free fat bomb type coffee and so much more so pretty much anything in your pantry can be replaced with a better quality sustainably sourced compound from wild foods go on over to wildfoods.co and use the code RD at checkout All right. I'm going to go
1: ahead and read Sean's bio, and then we'll bring him on the podcast. Sean Wells is the world's leading nutritional biochemist and an expert on health optimization. He has formulated over 500 supplements, foods, beverages, and cosmeceuticals and patented 10 novel ingredients and is now known as the ingredientologist, the scientist of ingredients. Formerly a chief clinical dietitian with over a decade of clinical experience, he has counseled thousands of people on innovative health solutions such as keto, paleo, fasting, and supplements. He has also personally overcome various health issues, including Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, depression, insomnia, obesity, and a pituitary tumor. As a world-renowned thought leader on mitochondrial health, he's been paid to speak on five different continents. His insights have been prominently featured in documentaries, nationally syndicated radio programs, and regularly on morning television. His expertise can help any health conscious individual to better manage stress and experience higher performance and more energy through utilizing his practical research backed solutions. Hey, Sean, welcome to the naturally nourished podcast. We are so happy to have you today.
3: I'm so excited to be on. I love you guys. This is amazing.
1: Yeah, we want to cover all the things today, especially your new book, The Energy Formula. And I guess let's kick off um, just talking about what inspired you to write this book and what your goal is for readers.
3: Oh, wow. Wow. It's really like the last 20 years of me working as a dietitian, as a formulator, as a sports nutritionist, doing all the biohacking on my own health issues, all the mistakes I've made. Uh, I've dealt with depression, suicidal thoughts, uh, disordered eating, uh, body dysmorphia, at one point anorexia, at one point orthorexia, uh, Hashimoto's Epstein Barr virus. Uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, pituitary tumor, two discs replaced in my neck. But like the the common theme through all this was, I was biohacking the crap out of myself, like to live, because I had a lot of uh, self-loathing. I had um, desire for achievement to prove myself, to get external love, so I would then love myself internally. I think I spent most of my life grinding and trying to accomplish and achieve so that that would happen. And I kept leveling up and I kept getting more letters in my name and I kept, you know, getting on bigger stages and on TV and documentaries and, and, you know, patenting ingredients. And I've patented almost 30, 30 things now. And, uh, and I've formulated over 500 supplements, but All of this stuff that I learned along the way was just literally to try and heal myself uh, more on the physical side, but it wasn't until maybe about a year and a half ago that when I healed myself mentally through plant medicine and working with therapists, certainly through COVID that helped when I was able to unplug to that degree, that everything shifted. So like, it's 20 years of my learnings of like, lot of things of like what to do and what not to do that i I figured out the hard way uh but then it's also got the through line in the book of like my most recent learnings that have allowed me to shift uh, more into my heart space and uh, love myself and connect more deeply with others and treasure those relationships and now like manifesting all the things. Like I thought everything had to be achieved through grinding and self-sacrifice. And, and now that I'm like happier and more energetic and leaving more space for myself, like so many things are coming in and I'm just here to tell that message.
1: That's awesome and amazing. And I feel like the best work always comes from that, you know, personal mm-hmm. experience and, and growth work. Um, let's break down the six life-changing ingredients um in your book so you use the acronym energy let's go through each area of focus and just give a little synopsis for listeners
3: yeah so it's an acronym uh the energy formula for experiment which goes into the stuff that you guys are so good at figuring out the bioindividuality the blood work the epigenetics the you know, it's not one size fits all. It's understanding what works for you, what doesn't work for you, uh, like including supplements. And then, uh, the next chapter is nutrition, where I get into paleo, keto, um, uh, vegan Mediterranean carnivore, all of those things. And, and again, like what it looks like to execute on those, what may, might make sense for you, uh, cyclical and targeted keto all those kinds of things AIP for paleo um, so doing a deep dive on that and then exercise is the E the second E in, in energy and high intensity interval training versus low intensity steady state why HIIT is so much better um, doing all these cool exercise hacks for growth recovery etc like set stretching blood flow restriction which is also called occlusion therapy um and then going into the next one routines uh morning and nighttime routines uh how to execute on those and like why it's it's so powerful to have a transformative morning routine uh almost all successful people like tim ferris found in tools of titans uh have two things in common they have a, a dialed morning routine and then they have Uh, a growth mindset, which I get into in the next chapter, which is that reframing uh, mindset, the experimenters, creative explorers mindset. But morning routine is so important. Um, And then getting into the flip side of that obviously is uh, sleep hygiene, going to bed at the proper time, uh, consistently having a sleep fortress, making your room an area that sleep is promoted and it anchors sleep and relaxation for you not having tvs not having arguments in that room etc uh and then the whole circadian rhythm and how that works and and why that works um getting into the sleep wake cycle the day night sun moon kind of thing and and why that affects our hormones and our neurotransmitters and how to eat optimally around that like eating during the daylight window according to dr sachin panda's data And then uh, growth, like I mentioned, is that stoic mentality, the obstacles, the way, that resilience of the mind. Uh, Also getting into extended fasting and nootropics in that chapter. And then lastly is your tribe, which is the power of community, connection, uh, blue zones, and then also understanding your why and putting all those pieces together and living a more vibrant life.
2: I love that. Super comprehensive and a a lot of components there, as you kind of mentioned for yourself, Sean, maybe in this last year, especially highlighted or brought to life with pandemic. And I think the biggest one that we've talked about a lot in our podcast, at least is the shift of routine, you know, especially Mm -hmm. for those that had a commute to work, or we're going into an office space, or we find um, lack of routine to be very disorienting often. Uh, You know, and you think of all of those like passive ways you check your box, then I turn this corner of this street, then I walk up these stairs, then I do this thing, then I say hello to the secretary X, Y, Z. And what's also very empowering though, is for the first time ever, because a lot of people's, I think routine was kind of thrown on their ass, if you will. <laughs> they have had the ability or the freedom to manifest their own routine and really create the space for you know after feeling that disorientation of, okay, now what do I want to claim and and what do I want to establish to become a, a routine or or maybe even a ritual to, to maybe even take it um you know to a different level.
3: Oh, yeah, hundred percent. And like just just 10 minutes in the morning is is a complete game changer. Most people are waking up uh, exhausted. We're the only species on the planet that like intentionally deprives ourselves of sleep. Mm -hmm. And so people are waking up exhausted because they watch a ball game. They watch Game of Thrones, you know, whatever it was. And that's actually called social jet lag, by the way. Like when you're essentially putting yourself in different time zones artificially. Uh, and then trying to adapt to like your regular circadian rhythm, it has a punishing effect on on your circadian clock. And so uh, just waking up to me where you've got proper sleep, at least seven and a half hours is ideal. There's really powerful data that if you get less than six and a half, you're actually putting yourself into acute insulin resistance with your neurons, and you're putting yourself in a position for about three times the cardiovascular disease as someone who gets enough sleep and five times the diabetes risk. So it's a real thing, like not getting enough sleep. It has a massive impact on our aging, on our tendency towards almost all disease states. Uh, and then again, that acute insulin resistance and just feeling fatigue. And so if you can wake up with enough sleep, and then what I do first thing uh, is I do some box breathing, which is just like for example, four seconds in, four second hold, four second out, four second hold. That's a four second box. I might do that like four or five times. And then I'm tapping into that parasympathetic, getting my vagal tone. And instead of being, you know, full on sympathetic with epinephrine and cortisol, and I need to jump out of bed and I need to get going and I'm late, you know, just granting yourself 10 minutes. And then I go from there to Uh, doing gratitude, just saying all the things out loud with my own voice so I can hear it, all the things that I'm thankful for. um, You know, I'm thankful that I woke up this morning. I'm thankful that I have a job. I'm thankful that my dog is licking my face or, you know, all these different things. There's sunshine outside or whatever it is. And then I roll from that to affirmations and saying, you know, all the things that I'm proud of myself for, things that I am, the things that I will accomplish today. Um, you know, I'm going to meet someone incredible. I'm going to change their life. I'm going to have an impact. You know, all that stuff sets the tone. And then I get out of bed. I do some light stretching for a couple minutes, get in my body and I grab a full glass of water and that's about 10 minutes. And it literally will reshape your day. You'll feel like You own your day because you are in your body. You are in control. You've said positive things to yourself. You have so much to be thankful for. You're in control of your breath. You're in control of your movements. And that's just 10 minutes. Like, you know, people say they don't have time, but I find that, you know, that's something I get into in the book too. Like, so many people are busy. Yes. Productive? No. Like they do what's called multitasking, which I think is like one of the great lies, you know, that we're, it's actually the science shows it's more about task switching and we're putting our focus on one thing or the other. And it takes anywhere from two to five minutes to switch to a different task and get fully focused again. So that's where like doing that. It's like Cal Newport talks about it as deep work. Like I love like the first two hours of my day, like no distractions, no cell phone, no email. No, like I'm literally my laptop and phone are in airplane mode. And I get one big task done. And then if you have that morning routine that I'm talking about for 10 minutes, maybe you throw in some exercise and sunlight, walk your dog or whatever it is you have. And then you do this big task and knock that out. And then I go right from that into my first meal of the day in my uh, intermittent fasting. Uh, where I eat between like 10 and six, like I have an eight hour window. So that's during the daylight hours year round. And I feel pretty accomplished at this point. There's other methods, like it's called Pomodoro method with kind of shorter bursts. But the idea is that you're, you're past batching, like you're getting things done in a very focused manner. Because when you're looking at your cell phone, when you're looking at emails and texts and Instagram and Facebook and and someone's talking to you and whatever, you're not getting a whole lot done. Busy, yes, productive, no.
2: I love that. And I mean, all of the things that you're talking about are free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so exactly. it's so amazing. I, I love the concept of ownership and empowerment. I, I often yeah. liken when I'm sharing with clients this similar way of kind of just taking the reins uh back on your life. I'll, I'll explain this scenario of like feeling like you're holding on to the bumper of the vehicle of your body and being dragged (laughs) for the journey or getting yourself back in that driver's seat. And I think that some of those ways of just committing to honoring yourself and taking that ownership and claiming your time. Um, I think that that's all really empowering. Let's, let's chat a little bit into the experiment side, you, you know, you called it that that's Becky and my, like, of course, wheelhouse and nerdo space. So let's talk mm-hmm. on, <laughs> let's talk on bio individuality, and let's kind of go into a little bit, the N equals one concept. And I would love for you to share maybe some outside of the box experiences or responses where maybe you've been surprised that something as an intervention, uh, didn't have the outcomes expected or didn't fit the narrative of wellness where, you know, one plus two didn't equal three or some areas that kind of highlight where the bioindividuality is, is really key to take into account.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. And really there's no study. I mean, first off, like there's no study on 8 million or sorry, 8 billion people Um, so you just don't know, like when you look at this research, it's typically 18 to 24 year old white affluent athletic males that are in college. So, and even then, like I fund a lot of these studies on, on ingredients and, and you'll see wide variability. You'll see hyper or super responders they're called, and you'll see non-responders. And then you get an average somewhere in between that says, oh, this is how it should work for you. with these 10 people it was this average, but it's not that simple. Obviously, it's not even that simple in that study, let alone trying to say it's going to work for, you know, some middle-aged woman in Europe that's uh, postmenopausal. You know, like it's it's a wide leap to go from there. I mean, the data is certainly helpful. It's directional. It's It's something we can move forward with. Um, you know, I fund in vitro data and animal data as well, which can be helpful. Um, that can be helpful, too. But there's there's no perfect study out there. It doesn't exist. And a lot of biohacking is that N of 1. And a lot of biohacking is ahead of the research to some degree. So it's, it's, a, it's a balance of self-experimentation. But looking at the data around you, quality data, and seeing, well, Directionally, this makes sense for me. I'm going to try it. See if it works for me. And how will I evaluate, evaluate it? And it would be great to have people like you involved with them, obviously, that could be doing uh, blood work, that could be assessing them week to week and checking in with them. And that's going to be so helpful to see what actually does work for them. And don't get upset if it doesn't. There's there's other things that you can use, obviously, uh that may, but it's it's so common. I can't even tell you with, with supplements. Uh I mean, you guys know like some things work and some things don't. And some things work great for some people and and some don't. And sometimes it's it's something that you'll see in epigenetics or blood work that makes sense on why it does or doesn't work. But sometimes it's like you know, it's just that thing just doesn't work for them. Or there's a story behind it. And it's almost like they're willing it to not work for them, like nocebo, placebo effect.
2: Totally. Yeah. And
3: and there's just so many factors on all this stuff. There's anchors, you know, I've studied NLP, there's anchoring that you can have, like, you know, a certain color pill might remind you of some traumatic event in your childhood. And that pill's going to be essentially poison to you, <laughs> you know, it's like, and it's like, you know, would you know that? Is it about it being B12 or something? No, it's you know, it's like more complex than that. So, um, I mean, there's just so much to it. And definitely working with functional integrative um, medicine uh, clinicians like yourself would be amazing. I, I fully support that in the book. And that's been a huge part of my evolution as well, just having that data and knowledge, but also like I was talking about before, like the successful people have that um, creative, explorative mindset, that stoic mindset. You know, like, like Edison talked about uh, no experiment being a failure. He says, like, now I know what it's not. And so that's the mindset you have to go into this with. Like, let's see what might or might not work. If it does, we'll apply it. And we'll move on and we'll go on for the next thing. And that's the scientific method too, is to try and uh, minimize the additional variables and, you know, focus on one thing at a time, see whether it works for you or not, and then move on.
2: Is there anything that you were super jacked on and thought was going to be game change for you and it flopped?
3: so many supplements. I mean, <laughs> you like read about it and you're like, like this
2: is going to be the one for my mitochondria. It's like no. <laughs> you know,
3: part of the reason, yeah, part of the reason I'm so passionate about supplements is some of them transformed my health uh dramatically, but some of them were supposed to be the greatest thing ever and did nothing. And okay. that always frustrated me and and I wanted like people to not go through the it's probably been hundreds of thousands of dollars I've spent on supplements. I don't know that anyone can keep, keep up with me, but you know, I know there's so many supplements that have, that have fell through for me that haven't worked like they should, that they get hyped, especially like in sports nutrition. Oh my goodness. Like with, yeah, you know, muscle gains and strength, you know, there's rapid fat loss and, you know, you use these products and you get nothing. And it's like, um, you know that's a, that's a reality but that gets into like it's not just the ingredients um that gets into supplement quality that gets totally. into like the things that i've learned along the way with like proprietary blends being like uh, you know a factor here instead of like full transparency and then what's their quality control even if they're listed right um you know there's so many factors maybe there's heavy metals in there that you don't know about there could be Uh, adulteration that you don't know about like a lot of the top herbs are adulterated to make them essentially so they can test out using very cheap testing methods um, because everyone wants these herbs so there's you know like ginseng st john's wort like some of the top herbs are like super adulterated and uh and are not quality herbs because they sell well and people want them at the cheapest price so they'll come out of china like uh, literally like a third of the price is like the good stuff. I mean, sometimes it's even a 10th of the price. Like it's it's dramatic. Like people think like buying a good supplement is expensive, but I can tell you on the raw material end, it gets dramatically different. I mean, there's even cases where it's 20 times as much to get like the good one mm-hmm. uh, that does have the quality control that is standardized for something. There's just so many games out there. And so there's so many reasons a supplement might not work for you. Uh, but I would say probably the biggest disappointing ones are going to be the, uh, like the fat burners, quote unquote, because most of them do not work.
1: Yeah, sure. And, and when we get into this world of, of biohacking, Ally and I often take this more less is more approach or kind of undoing and getting back to nature, right? Like, why buy the grounding mat that you can use in your office when you could walk outside and stand in actual grass um but i know there's there's kind of a a two sides to it i know you have experimented a lot more in like the hot button stuff on the market and more you know gadgets um is there a line of biohacking like where too much you know too much is too much and maybe tell us about some of the craziest stuff you've done.
2: Yeah. Let's talk non-supplements. Cause yeah. I, we probably are pretty competitive that like, you know, I probably take 36 to 42 pills a day. So <laughs> our audience <laughs> knows about that. Let's talk biohacking gadgets yeah. <laughs> because that's an area you that know, Becky and I are like not doing or into.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, but I think you guys are probably all doing the right thing. I mean, there might be a few gadgets you can add, but you know, one thing I'm weary about is like, if you're you know allostatic load right like the stress bucket like if someone finds this stuff stressful to do um and won't remain compliant with it uh then it can be counterproductive to their health they're adding you know distress to that allostatic load the stress bucket and that bucket can overflow so like some of these things that are meant to be uh e-stresses meant to be Uh, resilience enhancers can actually be counterproductive. Like, for example, like doing peptides, like sometimes that process might be overwhelming. Like, oh, like I need to get 10, 15 peptides. Like what time do I do them? And I got to like, you know, hydrate them with bacteriostatic water. I got to put them in an insulin needle. I got to inject myself. That's scary for some people. You know, like, did I do this the right way? Like, you know, did I clean my skin the right way? All that stuff. Like, there's a lot to that. And so like with the book, I tried to keep it to where most of the things are simple, that most of the things are free. Um, I didn't get into like enemas and plant medicine and peptides and, you know, some of those things like as much because those can be overwhelming to people. Like I wanted people to, to do things like you're talking about, like get out and do the grounding and the sun gazing and, um, and do cold plunges and do, uh, certainly, uh, red light and hot saunas and things like that, um, that are clear you stresses. Although again, even things like red light and even things like intermittent fasting or extended fasting can become distresses potentially, totally. um, you know, again, depending on where your allostatic load bucket is at. And so, my book mostly revolves around um, finding ways to increase that resilience, becoming harder to kill, becoming more anti-fragile, because we're too thermically controlled right now. Like we're at sixty eight to seventy two degrees all day long. Like we're you know eating all day long. Um, you know, we're not we're not getting the the time outside doing the grounding and the sun gazing uh and we're getting too isolated from microbiomes of you know the soil of pets of other people of all those things we're not getting exposed to like we used to we're feeling disconnected and alone so the book is about like you know finding all of those things and getting greater resilience so that we you know activate those sirtuin genes and and uh um, protect their telomere length and Um, so I go into like things like polyphenols, of course, but yeah, doing these things like red light, uh, like a juve light, uh, doing, I do the sunlight and sauna after I jump in my lake out in my backyard. Uh, I'm actually in California at a hotel or at an Airbnb, sorry, that's here. And there's two shower heads in the shower. And I did, uh, extreme hot on one and extreme cold on the other. And I was like contrasting back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) I was like moving like around the shower, like doing this contrasting. Uh just to expose myself to uh to different temperatures and that's a greater delta. Like when you're exposed to, you know, cold, like um you have cold thermogenesis and your body tries to maintain heat. Um, but it's also doing all kinds of things um uh epigenetically that that's happening and um, you're increasing uh, growth hormone and increasing, um, you're reducing inflammation. You're increasing brown adipose tissue activity and number, uh, which is going to enhance thermogenesis twenty four seven. That could be like one of the great holy grails on why people stay thin uh, that seem to eat anything. They may have more brown adipose tissue activity. So you know, it's cool stuff like that um, that I go to go through in the book and those are kind of exciting to me.
2: Cool. So a lot of the things in the book, again, more real free lifestyle resources that are available that people can access pretty much within their own home. It sounds like.
3: Yeah. For the most part, I mean, there are things like, like a Juve lights or, you know, there's other companies that make red lights that, uh, has been shown to reduce inflammation, enhance collagen synthesis, uh, those kinds of things that are I think noteworthy and worth investing into. So that might be anywhere from, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars. And then I do own a sunlight and sauna and those can be, you know, 10 grand. Uh, but that's one of those things that you can get into. Um, I think escape the world from close off the world. Like you can listen to music in there. You could potentially watch TV, but, um, but you know, it has the near and far infrared. It has the chromatherapy. It has the heat, and you're sweating and detoxifying your body. That is definitely one I would invest in. Um, so, so that you know. But for the most part, it is. It's stuff that that is lifestyle. It's it's going to bed at the right time. It's creating like like I said, a sleep fortress, um, which is going to be leaving the TV out of the bedroom, leaving the devices out of the bedroom, making sure you're not having arguments in the bedroom having plants that have good oxygen carbon dioxide exchange with you in the bedroom, having uh, you know, little stickers over your LED lights and uh, keeping the temperature low, or you could invest in something like a chili pad to uh to cool your body at night. So you have uh you know improved the HRV. Um, and I do get into like wearables as well. I have a Garmin Phoenix and a Biostrap and I go back and forth with those. Uh, Some people have the aura ring, but for the most part, it is stuff that is free and is lifestyle. Yeah.
1: And, um, also in the vein of kind of biohacking and lifestyle, um, let's talk exercise because in your book, you notice, you know, resistance training is, for everyone. And you really hit on some of the important benefits of muscle mass, including immune health, including brain health. Um, let's dig in on maybe first the health hazards of, of sarcopenia, and then let's talk importance of resistance training and how you can do it, you know, cheap, easy, or free, even if not going to the gym.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, so sarcopenia, is, is where you want to start?
2: Yeah, let's do that. Or, or, or the importance of muscle for immunity and brain. I and mean, you can kind of hit both.
3: Mm, yeah, so I worked in, uh, in nursing homes, definitely saw a lot of sarcopenia uh, and the ravages that result in that. And it's one of the top uh, factors in longevity is not only muscle mass, which supports bone mass uh, and will prevent things like fracture and improve your quality of life but probably like one of the top ones and most interesting uh, predictors of longevity is grip strength. And so that's underappreciated is like one having muscle and then two having the proper innervation and recruitment of that muscle to do something with it. And then you could get into even proprioception of your body, like how you move through space and understand your body and the balance that you have with it. Uh, all those things are going to be critical as we age. So muscle is so important. Uh, it's also going to improve insulin sensitivity because muscle uh, is not only an active tissue, which burns calories all day, every day, but it's also pulling in uh, glucose into the cell through glut 4 translocation. So you know, muscle is going to keep you with a better uh, balanced blood sugar. It's going to Improve your strength, improve bone mineral density, uh, improve your quality of life, all that stuff. So muscle is like one of the most important things that we uh, should be watching as we age. And so getting a proper protein bolus would be important. So getting that 25 to 35 gram dose of protein that has a decent amount of leucine to optimize muscle protein synthesis is important several times a day is ideal. Like, um, depending on on what your, I guess, meal planning looks like, your body will adjust. Like, even if you do one meal a day, it'll change protein kinetics over time. Uh, But that's going to be important is is getting your uh, essential amino acids in your protein and getting that leucine to optimize muscle protein synthesis uh, as we age in particular. It, we actually get like leucine insensitivity as we age, uh, which could happen for a number of reasons. Maybe it's because of um, insulin resistance. Maybe it's because of lowering of androgens, anabolic hormones, uh, mm-hmm. that that's happening. But, you know, it's it's been shown that there is some leucine resistance that That one or two grams of leucine that we were able to have when we were younger to optimize muscle protein synthesis gets higher and higher and higher as we age. And unfortunately, our protein boluses get lower and lower and lower as we age. So it's kind of a double whammy where we don't get enough uh, protein in as we age, and we're more leucine resistant as we age.
2: Yeah, most definitely. And how about in the sense of, I guess let's take it now from like occupational therapy, uh, long-term care into more of, let's say individuals age 20 to 50, what are the best approaches to resistance training? And it, I guess is going to the gym necessary. Can you use your own body weight to efficiently get a good muscle mass and support the resistance training that's needed for optimal muscle mass?
3: By going to the gym?
2: Do you need to go to the gym?
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, That's an interesting one right now because of uh, COVID for sure. I know I stopped going to the gym like at the beginning of COVID, um, but I ended up doing like a lot of body work only stuff with my trainers through Zoom. Uh, I had some dumbbells. I had some resistance bands. I used blood flow restriction cuffs that I mentioned in the book. Uh, those are a cool hack. They only cost a couple dollars. Um, so those would be some great things to do. I am investing in a tonal at home and, uh, it has artificial intelligence and, and has up to 250 pounds of resistance. You can do practically every exercise on that thing. Okay. And so you have that at home. So I don't think it's necessary to be at the gym. I think it's important to have someone watch your form and maybe lay out a program for you, but now there's so many of these services that are doing that, um, you know, remotely through apps, through Zooms, you know, through whatever.
2: Yeah, we do. I think, does our Zach Bush nitric oxide exercise include? Yeah. Squats would be resistance training. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Especially yeah. when we're doing those big, heavy jumps. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> I have a no nocebo relationship with the squeaks and the lights and gyms. They just don't no nope. <laughs> I haven't been in a gym in over 10 years. will not go. I'm not a gym person. I will do yoga. I will exercise outside. I will hike. I will do all of the things, but if you're going to tell me I have to go in some area with disinfectant sprays and bright lights and the squeaks and the grunts. I'm out of there.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's cool. I totally get that. I've actually been, and I've added some back now that things are opening back up. I have been going to an F45. Um, so that's kind of cool too. Like for, uh, kind of that functional, I don't know if you know, F45, but it's kind of like CrossFit, CrossFit, orange theory. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of a, you know, group environment and you just knock it out in 45 minutes. You do functional training. Um, so that's fun when I want to get around people. But I've enjoyed uh, just working out from home as well. Like, And sometimes even being outside in nature and just, yeah, I use dumbbells. I have like a mace from Onnit. I have uh-huh. a couple kettlebells and just doing more functional movement, yeah. uh, kind of getting away from just the traditional pumping iron
2: we got to take an ax out on the property. Back yeah. Here. Right. Yeah. Mm. I mean, just gardening and
1: like picking up a child, I feel like counts. Um, right. for sure. All right. Um, and then beyond exercise, let's talk about a little bit in the growth section of your book. So you talk about this concept of ikigai or the mm-hmm. Japanese concept of a reason for being or a reason for getting out of bed in the morning so what does this mean and why is this so important to wellness and i think it might be you know the most difficult part to discover purpose if you don't have it or or see it clearly
3: that's that's it exactly is is purpose and and like you said a, a reason for being and there's it's kind of cool there's like four concentric circles that cross over and there's the center of all the crossovers is, is getting the icky guy and it's and it's living like a life with true purpose, like you're saying. But, you know, one circle is like what you're good at and another circle is what you love. Another circle is what the world needs and then what you could be paid for. And then in some of those overlaps is mission, passion, profession, vocation. And, you know, you can have delight and fullness, but no, well, you can have excitement and complacency. But no sense, uh, but sense of uncertainty. You can have you can be comfortable, but a feeling of emptiness, you can have satisfaction, but a feeling of usefulness. So, like it's it's really important to hone in on getting a life where you uh you have what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for, and what you are good at. And that's the balance, that's the the Japanese concept of of icky guy and having that true reason for being. And it's just something like I've fell in love with and been trying to fill out on my circles, making sure I'm doing these things that, that provide that, that ultimate balance, that sense of why that sense of purpose.
2: And are there good resources for individuals? That's so funny because I feel like for Becky and myself, it's, that's one of the most difficult Uh, links to make with a client that has yet to discover Mm. that or someone going through a gnarly divorce that feels like they've just been flipped on their ass and they don't know how to define themselves anymore or a traumatic shift in maybe disability or a shift in career. How do you kind of pull up from your bootstraps and start to discern this? I, I remember one time I was at this women's Um, entrepreneur thing. And I was, I was speaking and I I was just kind of like sitting in the audience for a little bit and this chick, and and this is going to sound rude, but I just have to share it. This chick raised her hand. She was very Gen X-y, I don't know. And was like, (laughs) I'm, I'm just like trying to find my purpose. So I took the year off and I I just haven't found it yet. And I, I called Becky on the ride at home. And I was like, when I, I go, oh no, no, like you're not gonna find your purpose sitting on your ass. I was working four jobs right. because I knew what my purpose was and I was gonna make it happen. <laughs> I was like, you don't just wait for your purpose to come knock on your door. And and maybe that's a very, that's, that's maybe just from my personal experience. But I think we're, there's a lot of people that are in this like, oh, where's my purpose? What's my purpose? I should just sit on it. And I'm kind of more of the hustler, like you do, 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 do. And then from process of elimination. <laughs> Is that correct or how would you look at it?
3: I, th- I think it's both, I, you know, it depends on the personality type. I mean, I, and for me, like I've had some of these epiphanies when I'm doing, uh, like you're saying, I've worked 80 hours a, a week most of my life, but I've also had some epiphanies in the plant medicine space and allowing myself to to get more parasympathetic and and relaxed, if you will, and be more creative and more in that flow state um and and knowing when you are in that flow state essentially that's what we should be chasing like there's there's moments of of hustle sympathetic nervous system like where we have to go chase something down but the point should be getting to states of flow where we're like living our purpose and and you know the idea of flow state like there was one conductor that talked about that he had like the ghost hand essentially like where You know, he's conducting and he doesn't even know, like he doesn't even sense it anymore. It's like the hand has like a mind of its own because he's so in his purpose, he's so in his flow. Yeah. That he just knows what to do. His body knows what to do, his brain knows what to do without without there being any overthinking. I mean, that's it's literally like you're basically like you don't need to put any thought in, you don't need to second guess yourself, you don't need to like Say what the next step is, and and worry about that. You're just literally fully in the moment, fully present, and fully executing at the thing you're amazing at. And uh, you know that would be what I'd say with that. But I think like some resources that I would recommend is like um, start with your why by Simon Sinek. That was really helpful for me. Um, Building your story brand, if you're at all into any level of marketing uh, by Donald Miller, he goes through the hero's journey. And I think like almost anyone is a brand now. If you have an Instagram, if you want to build any type of following directly as an influencer, or you want to have your business represented in some sort of way, like you essentially are a brand. Everyone's a brand now. So Reading this uh, building your story brand will help you understand your journey and how to market that well. Um, and I think there's one other book that I was going to recommend, um, but I'm not thinking of it right now. Okay, so, we'll, we'll,
2: we'll add those two to the show notes. I like the idea too, like you were saying, with the Venn diagram of kind of compartmentalizing and seeing, you know, with your choices, what provides what elements are there. I think that's good and helpful. Oh.
3: The other book is uh, the obstacles, the way I talk a lot about that. My, um, my growth chapter is just having that stoic mentality. And I think um, knowing that like you will find your purpose and your passion, like on those more difficult moments, I mean, that's where you have to prove it to yourself. How bad you want it? I think that's the point you're kind of making. It's like, those are the points you'll find it. And like you're saying, like, if there was no obstacle or there's a shortcut around the obstacle, you won't find the way. Right. Like That's the whole point of stoicism is that you not only don't wish the obstacle wasn't there, like you cherish the obstacle being there. You have gratitude for that obstacle because that's how you found your purpose. That's how you know what you're now good at and what you're not good at and what took work to get there. I mean, like me you know being this formulator and and person that i am in this industry and having all this experience and and knowledge and success i mean so much of that is from my difficult health journeys from being near suicidal and depressed from brain tumors and you know all these different things that like i really questioned whether i wanted to be on this planet or not and whether i could do so happily and you know, along the way, I found my passion and my purpose of like, okay, I'm healing myself. I can do this for others. And I desperately want to do that. I don't want them to go through all the things that I've been through.
2: Absolutely. Okay. Let's lighten up a little bit and go into <laughs> nutrition, another um, passion area for us all. So let's talk on I know we're all team more paleo, real food approach to keto. Um, Mm. Let's share just from you, what are two to three pitfalls that you've experienced either yourself and have recalibrated from, or, you know, something that was working and you've shifted or with clients in the keto space specifically, just two to three pitfalls.
3: Well, that, that one that you're talking about is is massive, like being whole food, like It's good to see it moving away from dirty or lazy keto as much. And like some people would come into keto and just want like all desserts and treats and bars and, you know, processed foods and just everything would revolve around sweet. And then they're still overriding satiety and eating too much of like super high fat products. And they're wondering why they're putting on weight. Uh, The next one I would say is net carbs, like messing around with that too Mm -hmm. much. I think at the beginning, like the first, 90 days. I feel uh, you'll make the epigenetic changes. You'll upregulate transporters, all that kind of stuff. You'll get you'll get fat slash keto adapted, and you'll know what it feels like. I like having actually not using net carbs at all for the first 90 days, and then playing with that, um, just so you know what the feeling is, and you do truly have adaptation. And that's going to vary from person to person, but that's something I like doing. And I like doing actually pretty low carb, uh, even as low as 20 grams, Yeah, because I've found that with 50 grams, like, especially with women, um, you know, they talk about the cycle and they need carbs and, you know, there's definitely truth to that, like with, um, and that's where cyclical and targeted ketogenic dieting and metabolic flexibility all can come in. But I actually think one of the biggest reasons that never gets talked about is that women that have less muscle mass and are more sedentary, they think, you know, 50, 60, 70-year-old women that are less active, they're like, I can't get into ketosis. Like, you know, and meanwhile, if you went like 20 grams or lower, you would get into ketosis. Why? Because you don't have the muscle mass. You don't have the activity driving that muscle mass and pulling that uh, glucose into the cell through that glute 4 translocation like a guy would i've I've known bodybuilders like as the, the flip side of this like bodybuilding males that are having over 100 grams of carbs a day and staying in ketosis so I think that's underappreciated that like yes you may have to get down to 20 grams to get into ketosis and then, You can start experimenting with once you know it, once you know what it feels like, once you've worked with it, then you can start experimenting with net carbs. And then from there, you can also start experimenting with cyclical and targeted ketogenic dieting. But I feel like that stuff has started way too early. Net carbs, cyclical, targeted, all that stuff. I think you should really know what ketosis feels like first. Um, So those are some of the biggest ones that come to mind.
1: Yeah. We're a hundred percent on the same page. We start our program at 30 grams of total carbs. Um, Mm -hmm. And some people, when they calculate their macros will end up going even under that to more like 20 to 30 and net carbs, we always say is more of like a marketing gimmick of these bars and like keto treats where you know, they're adding all kinds of crap fiber to them just to be able to, to claim, you know, under 10 net carbs. Yeah. Yeah, Super
3: scammy. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yep. And then we wait till week eight, eight to explore metabolic flexibility and week 13 to do that phase two Perfect. play with the carb cyclical approach. Same page, same page.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of like those, those net carbs, that really is a huge issue with like, uh, like these short chain fibers that may or may not be what right. fiber to your body. Like IMO, I am oligosaccharide that can be up to 70% sugar, essentially, <laughs> but they're calling it a net carb. And then obviously, some of the sugar alcohols can have a fair impact on uh, on blood sugar as well. So um, they're not no just zero impact. Using mm.
2: corn fiber, bleh, all that stuff. <laughs>
3: yeah. Bl- um. Glycerol can be looked at as a, as a sugar alcohol and get subtracted off for net carbs and definitely isn't one. So yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, sugar, alcohols, IMOs, we're on the same page of of avoidance. Any other, since you're the formula guy, any other big mm-hmm. ingredients to watch out for in, I guess, both, you know, products, supplements, and foods?
3: Hmm. Um. Many, I mean, just going down the list of supplements, I mean, these aren't ingredients, but like we talked about before, like, I think full transparency, like having the the genus, the species, the dose, the mm-hmm. form, the standardization, um, you know, what it's extracted for, uh, all that kind of stuff, like is so important so that you can look it up on like examine.com or wherever you want to go and see, yep, that's the right genus, that's the right species, that's the right plant part, it's the root. It's standardized for X percentage of ginsenicide A, and it's at 80 milligrams in this formula. That is the effective dose. Cool. Like, Let's look at the other ingredients. Knowing that they can be complementary with each other, complementary mechanisms of, of action, and they're not just 10 ingredients thrown in because they all do blood sugar. Like, that doesn't make sense. Uh, they each should have their own purpose and each work together. Um, and then other red flags for me are like um, things that are like, more muscle mass, like over the next seven days, you know, and they compared like 0.01% to 0.02% in a study of like the experiment group versus the the placebo group. And there's like some insanely small margin of change, but like you can manipulate statistics to look dramatic. And that kind of stuff is frustrating to me. So, those are some things to look for uh, as far as supplements. And I also would avoid, um, you know, some of the stuff that can be in food uh, that obviously drives me crazy, I'm sure drives you crazy, is maltodextrin. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere. It's coating everything. It's so like, in, uh, it's just, it's, it's everywhere. Like literally in every food that's processed, uh, you'll find maltodextrin. Understanding all the ways that sugar can be listed, maltodextrin being one. Uh, but an oligosaccharide, essentially being one uh, coconut sugar and, you know, all the different types of sugar are still sugar. And that's so ubiquitous, uh, you know, everywhere in the food supply. I mean, your, your guys point to paleo and, and doing whole food and avoiding essentially just avoid ultra processed food. Um, all that stuff is bliss point food where it's literally engineered to override satiety and trigger dopamine in particular and essentially serotonin and, and put you in a state of like cocaine, like addiction. And if you think about like when you walk into a a convenience store, that is a store of addiction. You're surrounded by colors and caffeine and sugar and um, you know, all this stuff, like even porn and alcohol and lottery it's like literally tapping into like impulse. Right. And you know that feeling like when you get up to the register and there's all these colorful sugary packages and there's all the color filled drinks in the cooler and you just like want to grab one and it's like you almost feel guilty for doing it but it's like compelling you and it's it's an addiction. It's truly an addiction. So, you know, backing yourself out of those things to me is the most important thing before you even get into like paleo and keto and you know intermittent fasting and you know all this kind of stuff it's so important to just back out of ultra processed food that is again so ubiquitous that it's hyper palatable too yeah yes. yeah
2: i think when you can channel savory and really discern what a natural flavor profile is I, I always say the biggest wins are when a client looks at me and says i never knew roasted Mar- roasted marcona almonds or macadamia nuts could be sweet <laughs> it's like yeah man that's that's your palate waking up again and that's that's what you want to be able to have in your your spectrum of flavor profile is that discernment of bitterness and acid and uh that's when then you can really create some culinary diversity with getting the synergistic of nutrient density as well
3: which is super key um yeah the 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 bliss point is like the food gasm so like we used to have like you know, one, like one thing, maybe two things in a food, maybe it's like sweet and salty or sweet and tangy, but now we're getting like crunchy, gooey, sweet, salty, you know, like acidic and you know, like literally like chefs and scientists are like working to like, what if we gave them 10 of these things? Right. And it's like, it literally overrides your brain. Like you're saying hyperpalatability.
2: Totally. Let's chat. Uh, we're almost there, but I want to ask you as the ingredientologist, what are your top three nutrients of focus? Um, so let's just jive a little bit on three things you're stoked about now, uh, nutrients of focus and you know maybe why they're so awesome or, or what they do that you're excited about to have people have yeah. access to.
3: Yeah, three really cool ones that I'm uh, working on that I mentioned in the book is First one is l beta amino isobutyric acid, and it's an exercise mimetic. It literally mimics exercise. Some people call it exercise in a bottle. There's been a peptide called carterine GW50156 that's existed prior. There was another one that was even earlier in research called ACAR, A-I-C-A-R. But what's really cool about BABA is this occurs naturally in the body. And it's the signal for intense exercise. So you break down uh, the amino acid muscle pool, like when you're intensely exercising. And from that comes L-valine, which is a branch chain amino acid. And then from L-valine comes the signal L-baba. And your body then says, intense exercise is happening. Let's make all the changes that are associated with that, like increased BDNF, uh, neuroplasticity in the brain, improved bone mineral density, uh you know better fatty acid utilization improved ketone uh synthesis and utilization um you know improved uh, uh body composition and all these things are going to happen like better muscle innervation and, and recruitment all that stuff is going to improve with uh increased BABA levels so we've been exploring uh supplementing with BABA exogenously and we're showing that it does increase plasma beta levels. And then we have several studies uh, that will be coming out that show that uh, it does in fact impact exercise um, on this level, like essentially giving you the benefits of exercise. I don't want to say without doing it, like it's kind of true, but uh, FDA wise, we're going to have to say with good diet and exercise, so it, it will augment your training routine. I will say that like, it'll improve, uh, your results. It's like getting more out of every rep and every step. That's the way I'd look at it. So that's one. Um, and I think really exciting. Uh, and, um, you would want to take like around one to two grams pre-workout to so just augment that signal that's naturally happening. Um, two, I get into anyone who knows me knows for years, I've been talking about berberine and in particular. Berberine and
2: CoQ10 is what I'm feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: um, And I do love berberine, but I've patented a new form called dihydroberberine. It's actually what berberine converts into in the gut. So sometimes with berberine, some people have GI distress, just like with metformin because of that um, uh, bacterial component, like uh, just some people have issues. I, probably say like a third, like anywhere from like 20% to 30% can have uh, GI issues. Uh, And berberine was shown head to head to be superior to metformin, which is one of the most popular, not only anti-diabetic drugs, but anti-aging drugs. We know glycation is massive in aging, uh, preventing advanced glycation end products, et cetera, et cetera. It improves inflammation, dyslipidemia, et cetera. But dihydroberberine is about five times to even as much as 10 times, again, going back to that hyper responder uh, kind of variation. So it's about five to 10 times improvement um, in plasma berberine levels, overtaking berberine exogenously as a supplement. So a dramatic improvement in, uh, in the plasma delivery, and therefore you have to take much lower doses. What's cool too is it lasts about twice as long in the plasma so instead of taking it three times a day, you could take it once or twice a day. So much better uh, improvement over berberine, uh, which is super popular and even the drug metformin, which, you know, got recalled last year for being tainted. There's issues with B12 deficiency on metformin. So there's definitely reasons. I at least take berberine, uh, dihydroberberine, I think is superior, so that would be one. Um, Another one that comes to mind, um, I love a stack for mitochondrial health. I like NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide, over NR right now. Um, I just think the data is, is better uh, with NMN. Uh, David Sinclair, uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, uh, Peter Tia, like they're all on that NMN train as well, to increase cellular levels of NAD. Uh, It's needed to activate these sirtuin genes for sure um, and enhance cellular energy. So NAD is massive. I'm sure most of your listeners know about NAD to NADH ratio, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So mitochondrial health, anti-aging, and energy in general, you want NAD. Um, So taking the NMN, helpful for that. Then looking at the polyphenols, there's some polyphenols that enhance NAD levels. And some that will, by making more of it, and then some that will inhibit something called CD38, which is also known as NADAs, which keeps NAD hanging around longer. So a really great one-two punch would be taking um, a polyphenol, in particular, the one that tested best for efficacy out of like 10 of them, was Fisatin, which comes from strawberries, that's one of the most potent that we found, more than like resveratrol, EGCG, and some of these other ones. Hmm. And then on the other side, for that uh, CD38 inhibition, is um, a polyphenol called apigenin that comes from parsley. Um, that's the most potent one we found. So, like, that would be a really good combination as biscitin and apigenin. And then the ultimate punch there would be adding NMN to it. Most people are dosing it too low, so like one to two grams a day, which does get expensive. Uh, but that would be kind of the most effective stack. And then add to that uh, maybe a couple other things for the mitochondria, like CoQ10, certainly, and at least it's a reduced form, ubiquinol, um, and then PQQ. I am exploring MitoQ for CoQ10. There's some interesting data on that. Not a ton of studies, but that may be a, a even better form. Than the ubiquinol, but uh, I don't know quite yet. Uh, and if you can't find apigenin or fisetin or that's too complicated, get quercetin. It's one of the only polyphenols that does both. It actually increases NAD and inhibits uh, NADAs. So, but get like a, an optimized form of quercetin because it has really poor bioavailability. So get like a, a liposomal quercetin. And then I'll throw in like one bonus ingredient, uh, grains of paradise. I'm really uh, interested in this one because it increases brown adipose tissue number and activity. And a lot of people might know brown adipose tissue is like a, a highly thermogenic, right. essentially fat burning fat. Uh, we only have about six, seven ounces on our body, mostly around our clavicle, uh, collarbone area. And this stuff is Incredible at increasing thermogenesis in a non stimulatory way. Um, and it could combine very well with like cold plunges or cryotherapy, et cetera, to really augment those results. But that's one thing to look at. Just 40 milligrams of this uh, grains of paradise standardized for 6 paradol, the active, uh, we're finding uh, burns over 100 calories. And we haven't done more studies to see if like, okay, we take it twice a day. What happens if we take uh, 80 milligrams a day? What's what happens? Is that 400 calories? Like, you know, so this is really interesting. And especially, like I said, if you'd be stacking it with, you know, other things, we know that enhance a brown adipose tissue activity, like cold thermogenesis.
1: Super cool. I knew we could count on you for all the nerdy and like cutting edge (laughs) new stuff.
3: (laughs) For sure.
2: He was making notes. <laughs> yeah, I sure
1: was. Um, gonna have to look some of that up later. Um, as we're talking just about um, you know, weight and obesity and and I want to kind of round out, I know we're running out of time, I want to round out um just kind of based on current times and what you know about health and wellness and ask you the question of the day, I think, um, or the question okay. of the year. Um, if you had. 10 minutes with Dr. Fauci, (laughs) um, what would your biggest priorities in that conversation be? And, and how would you want to see policy for this pandemic or future concerns change based on what we know about metabolic health?
3: Yeah. You know, it's really the, unfortunately it's, it's frustrating. It's the opposite approach of like, what should be done I think in his heart, he has good intentions as, as do most doctors, I would hope. And someone who's in a government position had a desire to be there for public service. And I feel like by and large, he thinks he's doing a public service. And, and some of those things can be argued that he's doing, are doing a public service. But we're getting away from resilience. We're, we're shrinking that, that stress bucket, essentially. We're becoming easier to kill. We're becoming more fragile by isolating ourselves, by not exchanging microbiomes, by not getting enough vitamin D or getting out in the sunshine, uh, by not grounding, um, by staying tuned into news and social media and getting triggered. I mean, we're not seeing stuff about depression. Like, you know, one thing like maybe instead of just checks that get sent out, like what if like, we sent out bottles of vitamin D? What if we said, you know, for one year, every gym is free and subsidized by the, you know, by the government, or what if, uh, you know, we tell them about the power of sunshine and grounding and the power of, you know, at least finding ways to interact if you're not going to do it personally, to do it on Zoom calls and staying connected so you don't feel like you're floating out in space and triggered by the news and, and alone in the world like the, the degree of depression, like, I mean, that would be another thing is just having access to, you know, therapists and and things like that. And so many people have lost their jobs, they feel alone, they feel useless, they feel depressed, they maybe lost a spouse during this, or, you know, that that left them because of these things, like, there's so much going on right now that is just so unaddressed. And it's just, will wear your mask. We'll get a vaccine. And and like, it just feels odd to me that that we've done this in this way. Um, when it just it could have sent such a great message that says, like, instead of just social distancing and masks that we said, you know, make sure that you are connected to a good group of people. Like that's critical right now that you you know, even and if you're scared of it being physically in person, like make sure you're talking to someone a value that's connected to you and cares about you every single day. Like prioritize that. You know, make sure you're getting good nutrition and hydration in every single day. Make sure you're getting the vitamin D, the zinc, like the, you know, the things that enhance resilience like um adaptogens. Yeah. Like we're not talking about like getting ashwagandha, rhodiola, you know, getting your polyphenol count. There's so much that we could be saying that like isn't being said. That's just it's so clear what the agenda is obviously it's like pharmaceutically driven and it's just frustrating it's it's not about our health and our well-being clearly um but i don't know what to say about that it's it's just so it's frustrating because you think these people are good people you want to give them the benefit of the doubt i mean i don't demonize anyone i've i've never demonized by the waste Trump, of energy <laughs>
0: yeah
3: i mean I, I i think they have good intentions but there's obviously the the system um is there to make money and and it's and it's doing that well but you know doing things that talk about like hey you need you need the connection you need that community like that's mentioned in my book the blue zones you know like the, having your tribe like so critical to health That's the number one uh, factor in longevity in in the Harvard studies was quality of relationships. Yeah. That doesn't get mentioned. Like that's not sent out to us like, hey, how's your quality relationships? It's like, right. Are you wearing a mask? Are you social distancing? Like
2: maybe you can see a family member for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But no, I think that that's the big, the big dance is right. The profit over public interest and you know, we could go on about, right. Decentralizing the food system, giving out mm-hmm. food stamps to farmers markets and so much more. But I think that kind of in closing today's episode, it's this, as you talked about Sean resilience and the need of that struggle or obstacle to create that manifestation of change. And I, we were uh, speaking last week about one of my favorite Sanskrit mantras, which is Omane Padme Om, And it means um, praise to the jewel and the Lotus. And The Mm -hmm. lotus grows in mud, you know, and and there's this big connection right now that I think as heavy and dark and as weak as we are all feeling or helpless, there's just as equal amount of pressure and opportunity for empowerment, wellness, optimal health, ownership of self and health and wellness for the household and families. And so I think that that will A, Becky and I want to thank you for shining your light and sharing your work of the energy formula. We will um, be sharing a giveaway with our listeners, a signed copy of Sean's book. So make sure you stay tuned on our social media for that. Um, and also we'll be doing an Instagram live, chatting a little bit deeper dive on some of the fun stuff we talked about today. Um, as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, let's just finally give listeners um, where they can find you and stay connected. And um, thank you so much for being on the Naturally Nourished podcast.
3: Mm, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I love that uh, that wrap up on formesis, on essentially, like how important that is to our growth. And that is the, the obstacles, the way mindset, as well as what's good for you physiologically, having that agitation that helps with our adaptation so that we can find new levels of homeostasis where we are stronger, where we are more resilient through that through that uncomfortability, through that hormesis. So I love that. That's the whole point of cold plunges and, and saunas and fasting and all the things that we're doing and talking about. Um, but yes, you can find me at Seanwells.com, S-H-A-W-N, W-E-L-L-S, and then also. Again, Sean Wells on Instagram. Uh, I have a lot of cool content there. I'm doing a lot of Clubhouse lately and I'm at biohacking on Clubhouse. And then lastly, go to energyformula.com where I have my ebook for 99 cents through April. And uh, you also get a fasting for energy guide. You get a hidden chapter on natural movement for free and uh, really great stuff. I also have the uh, hardcover book for $39.99, but I spent $39.80 making it because it's full-color front to back. Uh, (laughs) So it's literally just, I want it in people's hands right now. Um, I'm really excited about it, it's 400 pages. Um, It has 60 full-color diagrams, uh, over hundred scientific citations formulators, corners that go into all the the doses, forms, brands, of the supplements in every chapter. Every chapter has resource hacks that go into the um, devices and um, apps and tips and techniques. It has surveys to assess your progress. There's chapter summaries if you're just not a reader. So there's tons of stuff that like you just pick up this book that you can just use and grab a biohack, see if it works for you. And and go from there. So it's it's a super readable book. It's super accessible. And I know people are going to love it. And I appreciate you giving me a platform.
1: Totally. We'll include all of that and more that we've talked about today in the show notes for this episode. So listeners know where to find you.
3: Awesome. Thanks, John. Thank, thank you guys. All right.
0: Thank you.